Hi, welcome to I Wanna Change the World. I'm your host, Janae Gilmore. That thought, I wanna change the world, has been a guiding force behind so many decisions in my career and in my life in general. But what does it actually look like for me, or anyone really, to change the world? On this podcast, you'll hear about my ongoing journey to figure out my place in creating a better world. As you listen, I invite you to reflect on yours. Let's get ready to change the world together. Hi, thanks for tuning in for episode two of the podcast. Wow, episode two. You have no idea, unless you're one of my friends who's been listening to me talk about this idea for ages. But the idea of doing this podcast is something that has haunted me like a ghost for years. I thought the ghost had finally retired to the idea graveyard where I've sent so many ideas that I've perfectionism to an early death. But no, this year it came back with a vengeance. It started randomly popping up and stalking me off and on probably since January. Well, now that I'm on episode two and getting more and more committed to actually reaching my goal of completing a season, which I made this up, is four episodes. I hope that that ghost can go find some rest. Or go haunt someone else into doing their creative project. Actually, before I dig into the content for this episode, just a quick plug that if the ghost of inspiration does start haunting you after listening to this, and all of a sudden you find yourself working on the podcast or the blog or YouTube channel or anything else that you were sending to the idea graveyard one bout of procrastination at a time, please hit me up and tell me about it. I love to see people moving forward with their creative projects. And it would give me a lot of satisfaction to feel like by finally working on this podcast, I had freed up the ghost of inspiration to go and haunt you into doing your thing. Okay, with that being said, today's episode, in a sense, picks up on the thread I started talking about in episode one. In that episode, one of the things I talk about is how some of my experiences growing up in Detroit are what originally put that fire in my belly to want to change the world. And specifically, I talked about how people's reaction to me being from the East Side or them learning that I was from the East Side would show me that I didn't meet their expectations of what an East Sider was like, as in I didn't fit the stereotype. This is why I would sometimes encounter people saying things to me like, wait, you're from the East Side? Or I thought you were from, insert the name of a place that's not the East Side of Detroit. Or sometimes I would get questions that amounted to, how did you make it? And that's what I want to dig into in this episode, this question of how I made it into becoming myself. Like, how did I defy statistics and low expectations and all the stuff that could have led to me becoming, you know, somebody more like the stereotype that people have in their minds, apparently, when they think of someone from the east side of Detroit. And in this episode, I'm not dismissing the question as ignorant or biased or offensive. Like, I seriously want to explore it. And I want to start by acknowledging that even though I don't know the exact statistics, I'm sure they weren't pointing to someone starting out life where I did, who was raised by a working class single mom in Detroit growing up to accomplish some of the things that I have. I mean, I do get that. And just for context, for those of you who aren't tuning in because you're a close friend or family member, here are a few facts about me. My income is above the median for the city for the state that I live in, and for the country that I live in. I have a master's degree from the London School of Economics. I majored in German as an undergrad, and I lived in Germany for two years. And I've traveled to places like Spain and Cameroon and France and the Netherlands, even though I somehow still have not managed to make it further west than Chicago at home, and I should probably add that to my bucket list. 
Anyway, when I asked myself why I thought this question was worth exploring and what it has to do with wanting to change the world, came to mind that I think too often those of us who are idealistic and who do identify with the idea of wanting to change the world can also be the same ones who don't get that shutting someone down just because they ask a question and basically shaming them for not knowing something, sometimes pointing a finger in the wrong direction. I mean, the question is, why is it so easy for that person to not know or to not have a fuller picture? Because that's the real issue. Why is it so easy for them to have that single story in their heads? And what if part of changing the world is showing up with empathy and some level of patience when someone asks a question or makes an ill-informed statement because they just don't know? When someone asks a question that can be an opening or a chance to educate, which I get not everyone is up to all the time because I, for example, certainly do not want to be Black American on duty here to explain American racism while I'm trying to enjoy my vacation. I mean, can I just be? Anyway, I've certainly thought and even said some ill-informed things in my day, and I'm grateful that I had a chance to learn so I could do better. With all that being said, let me go back to the question, Janae, how did you make it? And let me tell you a story. A few years ago, I worked for a small business in the city. This was a unique episode in my life because before that, I had spent years working for nonprofits. But I had just gotten back to Detroit from London and I was finding my feet again. And through a series of circumstances, I found myself working at this business. The business owner was an older guy. He was talkative and he didn't just talk about work stuff, but lots of things. And mostly I would just listen. Anyway, in this particular conversation, he was talking about some of his experiences with people he knew and was connected to, not by blood, but but somehow by circumstance, who were from the east side. And from what he described, these people sounded kind of hood. After he told me his story about these people, he looked over at me in all sincerity and asked, I mean, I don't remember the question verbatim, but what it amounted to was, how did you make it? Like, Janae, you're from the east side, and yet you're intelligent and educated and gainfully employed. How? Now, in hindsight, I understand how a person could hear that question and take offense and be like, what are you saying? Or, that's ignorant. But one, in that moment, I'm not sure I had the wherewithal to be offended. And two, even if I had, his sincerity was so real that I just responded to him with sincerity. I told him about my mom and how she raised me. Like, of course I was going to be educated. And of course I was going to be able to be gainfully employed because my mom had raised me to be the kind of person who would be. She had modeled that for me my whole life. In any case, it didn't matter where I had grown up, my mom was my mom. Like, yes, she was working class, and yes, she raised me by herself, but yes, she also loved me and was smart and hardworking and made sure I had everything that I needed to be set up to be a successful adult. I was never surprised to find myself intelligent, educated, and gainfully employed because all of those things just kind of seem like a natural consequence of my upbringing. And this points to the reality that on the one hand, there are statistics and stereotypes and the image a person might have from the media or from their own limited experience. And then there's the reality that people have individual stories and circumstances that lead them to be who and how they are. Even the person who fits the stereotype or matches the statistic has an individual story and a set of circumstances that led them there. I think it can be easy for us to lose sight of that sometimes. 
I mean, our brains are wired to look for patterns and look for shortcuts to help us make sense of the world. Thankfully, our brains are also capable of interrupting that process. We can choose to zoom out and see the fuller, more complicated version of the picture if we want to, if we're willing to be curious and maybe even ask the question, which can be humbling and even dangerous in a social sense, considering you could be opening yourself up to shaming and judgment from others and also from yourself. I don't know about you, but I want to do less of that. One of the lessons I've been learning in this phase of my journey of wanting to change the world is that it starts on the inside. If I want to see more empathy, compassion, and love in the world, it starts with me seeing more of those things in myself, like more of those things and less shame and less judgment. Which leads me to the next story I want to share with you. So I just told you about a time when I was the person receiving the question and the curiosity but I've also been the person directing curiosity and bias at others. And I could do an entire season on examples of me having done that, but instead, let me just give you this one example. Because it's important for me to remind myself, I mean, I'm sharing this with you, but I'm also reminding myself that one, I've been in that boat and I'm never in a position to point a finger at someone as if I've never had some learning and growing to do. Also, this is a nice reminder that I have come a long way. All right, for the story. Years ago, actually at the time I was just a couple of years into my career, I encountered someone through my job who I hadn't met before. And that was interesting because at the time I worked in what I considered a pretty insular Detroit community development bubble. By then I had noticed that when I would meet other black professionals working in the space, which honestly wasn't that often, they tended to be from a west side, middle class background or have gone to private school. But the woman I met, who I'll call Rachel, had even gone to King like me, but not one of the school of choice programs. Like she for real went through the neighborhood school program and had gone on to graduate from the University of Michigan. She was intelligent and articulate. And as we connected and I got to know her more, I learned that she had grown up in what sounded like a solid, wholesome two-parent household. At some point, I just did it. I expressed my surprise to her. In my own ignorance, I hadn't expected someone who had gone through CPLA, which was the name for the neighborhood program, to do things like go to U of M or basically turn out to be someone like her. Even when we were in school, there was a clear hierarchy in the programs. I felt like it was in the atmosphere at King, even in the things some of the teachers would say that just made it clear that those of us in the School of Choice programs especially the MSAT program, which is what I was in, were the ones who were expected to be successful and to know how to act. Anyway, Rachel and I were cool. She didn't take offense at what I'd said. And the reality is, sadly, I think she was kind of used to that reaction. I've had enough experiences like that with people since then to know that I had internalized a single story in my brain about Eastsiders, and it was far from the whole picture. I mean, I didn't know until I knew. Side note, this disconnect between what I saw of the black experience through my limited little window growing up versus the full, rich, complex spectrum of what it is, is why I started at some point to have retrospective HBCU FOMO. But I will save that as a topic for a future episode. Okay, in this episode, I've talked to you about my experience as someone who has received curiosity from people for not fitting the stereotype of what I'm supposed to be like considering I was raised on the east side of Detroit. 
And I've also talked about my experience directing curiosity at other people from the east side for not fitting the image in my head of what they're supposed to be like. So what's my takeaway from all this? I think it's that part of changing the world starts with recognizing that I'm human and other people are too. We're all caught up in this very human tendency to categorize and stereotype and create hierarchies of value. I know we often reduce this to ideas like white supremacy culture or the influence of the West on the rest of the world, but I feel like that ignores what we learn from things like world history, or if you're a Christian like me, the stories we read in the Bible. Humans have been doing things like stereotyping and marginalizing other humans for a very long time. Thankfully, even though we have this tendency seemingly by default, we as humans also have the power to reflect on ourselves and choose to do better. That's the good news. We can choose to do better once we know better. And part of that process of getting to know better might mean being curious and possibly asking questions that will expose your ignorance and bias. When that happens, when someone is curious because something or someone doesn't line up with their expectations and they do ask a question or express an ill-informed opinion, I don't want to be the person who dismisses them or shames them. Yes, I get that it can be annoying and frustrating to be the person having that combination of ignorance meets bias meets curiosity directed at you. Because when you're walking around just living your natural black or fill-in-the-blank life, You don't always want to have to explain the thing that, in an ideal world, people would already understand. Namely, that you're a whole person with a whole story, and that the path that's led you to who and how you are cannot be reduced to a stereotype or a statistic or a popular media narrative. Still, I have been the person asking the question or holding the ill-informed opinion in my head, even if I didn't say it out loud. In fact, what first brought me to this realization about the need for grace and understanding in these situations was a conversation that I had in London a few years ago. I was sitting with a group of other students who I think I was with because we were working on a group project. One of my classmates was talking. She clearly had a chip on her shoulder about the fact that people were surprised to learn that she was from Ghana and had actually grown up there because, well, aside from the fact that she was mixed and had light skin, She didn't sound like or seem African. I mean, she had an American accent like me, and if she hadn't said she was from Ghana, I would have thought she was from America. Apparently, she'd gone to an international school when she was growing up, and in her mind, it was like, of course I speak English like this. Now, I could understand how it could be irritating for her to keep getting questions or remarks or looks when she told people where she was from, But something about how dismissive her tone was made me want to say something to her about it. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know it amounted to have some understanding for the reality that people just don't know. Like, how would they? I was like, do you know the image I had in my head of Africa growing up? It took me being an adult and actually traveling to the continent to get a fuller picture. Do you know the image that many people still have in their heads today? No, it's not fair or reasonable that some of us are stereotyped in other people's imaginations based on where we come from, what our names are, our race, well, what we look like or present as, you know, or fill in the blank with anything else. And this can and does have real life consequences, like when someone assumes you don't have the same credentials as another person and therefore aren't qualified to work on a project. So then your boss has to step in and say, well, actually, Janae has a master's degree from the London School of Economics. And then 
Awkward silence. Side note, can we be real? For most of us, our degrees are not what makes us good at what we do. It's our experience and our capacity to learn, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Anyway, my point is that whether it's fair or not, whether it's ideal or not, I am and we are all caught up in the systems and the structures and the humanness in us that cause us to reduce people to a set of expectations. Instead of shaming ourselves or others for our bias and ignorance, maybe it does more good in the world when we're willing to meet ourselves and others with some measure of understanding and with a willingness to learn and sometimes maybe maybe even a willingness to teach. Okay, that's it for me for this episode. You know, part of why I share my story is to encourage you to reflect on yours. This week, I'd love to hear from you about how what you heard in this episode speaks to your experience. Have you ever been the person directing an ill-informed question at someone? Have you ever been the person receiving the question? Hit me up if you want to share. Otherwise, until next time, peace. Hey, before you go, if you want to, one, keep up with my blog, which I do post on sporadically, two, hear about my latest workshops and events, or three, learn more about my work as a facilitator and a coach, then I invite you to check out my website, www.gilmorefacilitationllc.com, and sign up for my email list. Until next time, remember, you're part of a beautiful community of people who want to change the world.